Heavenly Father, thank you for our time that we can gather here today. Thank you for the freedom we still have to meet together in person. And uh, thank you for the word of God. We ask that you would speak to us today, that you would transform our lives, and that, Lord, we would leave here empowered and encouraged um, by the word of God. In Jesus' name, amen. All right, you may be seated. I want to talk today, see if I can, can you put my PowerPoint up? Thank you. Um, the power behind a servant heart, even um, what we were just looking at then, just shows how many little things parents, mums do all the time for others. Um, but it shouldn't be just limited to mums, should it? But there is something absolutely powerful in a servant's heart. And just like anything in the kingdom of God, his ways are so opposite. We have, you know, we think to be powerful would be the opposite of serving, but not in the kingdom of God. So I want to talk to you about when love reigns in a home, in a heart, in a nation. It's amazing. Um, but before we go any further, I wanted to have a look at the definition of a mother, a woman who loves unconditionally, leads by example, and puts others before herself. That's me every day before I get out of bed. <laughs> and I'm not sure how long it lasts afterwards, but we do attempt. We do attempt to love unconditionally all the time. Um, there are times, though, I have caught myself saying, how many times have I told you? And, of course, Timothy, taking me literally, says, I don't know. <laughs> I don't either. I don't actually keep count. It's a funny expression. But you know what? It also is an expression that reminds me of something. The Bible says that love doesn't keep any account of the wrongs done to it. And every time I say, how many times have I told you to put your shoes away? Oh, I'm keeping account, aren't I, of the wrongs done. <laughs> wow, I have to admit, being a parent has really made me aware of my failings more than anything else in life. When I was a teenager, I was less aware of my faults. But now, I see them in my children. I go, why are you talking to each other like that? Never mind, I just got my answer. Um, yes, where are they learning it from? How am I displaying Christ to them? Oh, you know, we have an amazing privilege, not just parents, but all of us, to impart into the lives of others and to encourage them in the ways of God. That's what a family should do, right? We should be encouraging one another, lifting each other up, helping one another, championing one another, um, our biggest cheer squad should be within our own home. And isn't it interesting that often the people that cop it the most from us are the ones closest to us? Because you can't treat other people like that, right? <laughs> but God wants to challenge us, I believe, today to go to another level of love within our own homes and families, that love can reign. All right. I found something funny. I just wanted to share this with you. I hope you enjoy it as much as I did. 
Dear Mum, thanks for putting up with a spoiled, ungrateful, messy, bratty child like my sibling. Love your favourite. <laughs> oh dear, it's so much easier to see the faults in everybody else than in ourselves. It's so much easier to tell other people how to fix their issues than to work on fixing our own. But here's what mums, I believe, and parents in general encourage us to do, and that is to grow up and become better. And, you know, we are all children of God, and I believe God wants to encourage us not to just stay the same. You know, when you see a little kid who's too pouting, it's kind of cute, the lower lips out, oh, look, they're having a little pout. But when you see a 40-plus-year-old pouting, not so cute anymore. So um, we want to grow up into the ways of God. We're also exhorted um, as adults, as parents, to train up a child in the way he should go. And when he is old, he will not depart from it. Now, here's a little test to this. How many of you to this day can still remember what your mother has said when you go to do something? Or your father? Do you ever have that? Like... For example, having a drink of Milo. Mum always said, only two teaspoons. So I do two teaspoons. Hey, Mum's not here. I could actually have three. But it's funny. It goes through our head. What we have been taught becomes ingrained in us. What are we teaching our children? What are we teaching those that we're influencing around us? Here's an interesting thought. If people looked at your life, looked at you, and they had to describe you to someone, and they had to describe not your physical appearance, but your character traits, what would they say? The first thing that just came to my mind, because I've been so tired lately, is forgetful. But anyway, (laughs) um, what would people say about us? I just want to bring our attention to someone today and we're going to get into this in a minute but honestly we might think what we do is not really effective is not really powerful but the small things in the kingdom of God end up making a very very big difference so um, I just want to tell you of a, uh, a grandma here just having a little chat with her grandson and uh, spending some time together and, and she asked him what often gets asked of us when we're little what do you want to be when you grow up? Do you, do you remember what you said, what you wanted to be? Did any of you become what you wanted to be when you grew up? Hands up if you actually did what you thought you wanted to do. You did. Wow. <laughs> One, isn't that surprising? So the little boy smiles at grandma and he says, I want to be someone great. Someone great, his grandma replies, then the best job for you to do is to become a servant. A servant, her grandson said in disgust, but I want to be someone great. Grand chuckles as she looks at the small boy and then she admonishes him, be a great servant, the greatest servant, a servant of all. Her grandson shakes his head, Boy, do you need a maid that bad? I mean, what can a servant really do anyway? How can they do anything great? Let me tell you a story 
about a great servant, Grandma says. You will be amazed at what one little servant can do with the right heart. And I want to tell the story today, and we're going to watch some of it, of a little girl, a little servant girl in the nation of Israel who was captured and taken to another country in Syria. And I want to just, like, we don't even know her name. And yet she was part of something incredible. A little girl with a servant heart ended up doing something that nobody else could do. It is the most amazing story. We're going to watch it in just a moment. I just want to point out this, though. I was thinking about it. If I had been captured when I was only maybe six or seven or eight years old, taken to a faraway place, no family, I'm forced to be a slave, what would my attitude be towards the people who'd captured me? There's something about this little girl. I wonder what her mom and her dad inputted into her life. Because she gets what we would believe to be like one of the worst hands dealt to her. But she has the most beautiful heart. And, um, and so something of great value was put within her long before this event occurred. And it caused the most amazing things. Let's look at what a servant heart can do. We might need to dim the lights for this one. And in that day, the Syrians had gone out by companies and had brought away captive out of the land of Israel a little maid. And she waited on the wife of Naaman, captain of the host of the king of Syria, by whom the Lord had given deliverance unto Syria. Naaman? Mahashivina Saya. You are a great man, still, and honorable. You are a mighty man of valor. I am a leper!
And one went in and told his Lord, saying, Thus said the maid that is of the land of Israel. And the king of Syria said, Go to, go, and I will send a letter unto the king of Israel, that he mayest recover him of his leprosy. And it came to pass, when the king of Israel had read the letter, that he rent his clothes. Am I God? To kill and to make alive? That this man doth send unto me to recover a man of his leprosy? Wherefore consider, I pray you, and see how he seeketh a quarrel against me. And it was so, when Elisha, the man of God, had heard that the king of Israel had rent his clothes, that he sent to the king, saying, Wherefore hast thou rent thy clothes? Seven times. Let him come to me, and he shall know that there is a prophet in Israel. So Naaman came with his horses and with his chariot, and stood at the door of the house of Elisha. And Elisha sent a messenger unto him. Go, go and wash in the Jordan seven times, and thy flesh shall come again to thee, and thou shalt be clean. Behold, I, I thought he will surely come out to me and stand and, and call on the name of the Lord his God and strike his hand over the place and recover the leper.
Monat Banna, and Farpar, rivers of Damascus, better than all the waters in Israel. May I not wash in them and be clean? My father. My father. If the prophet had bid thee do some great thing, wouldst thou not have done it? How much rather than when he saith to thee, wash in Jordan and be clean.
And Naaman returned again unto Elisha and said, Behold, now I know that there is no God in all the earth, no God but in Israel. How amazing is that? A little girl with a servant heart, thinking not of, you know, like she could have thought, it serves you right. I'm glad you got leprosy. You deserve it. You dragged me away from my family. You're invading my land. You're a horrible person. But she had such compassion, even for those who had captured her, that her heart was to see him recovered, to see him healed. Just amazing. I want to have a look at Ephesians chapter 4 here, verse 32. It says, Be kind to one another, tender-hearted, forgiving one another, even as God in Christ forgave you. Beautiful words there and such a reminder for all of us. You know, we often think this is the role of a mother to be kind and tender-hearted. And definitely we see this in mothers displayed beautifully. But God is encouraging all of us today, be kind, be tender-hearted and forgiving to one another. I'm going to have a I flick through a few scriptures now. Um, Ephesians 4, 1 to 2. I'm reading from the Amplified Bible. And it says this. I, therefore, the prisoner for the Lord, Paul speaking, appeal to you and beg you to walk, lead a life worthy of the divine calling to which you have been called, with behavior that is a credit to the summons to God's service. Living as becomes you, with complete lowliness of mind, humility and meekness, unselfishness, gentleness, mildness, with patience, bearing with one another and making allowances because you love one another. You know, the story keeps unfolding from that one little girl's attitude of love towards her master. He turns to the God of Israel and rejects all the gods of Syria. He embraces the true and living God. And because he's the commander of the king's army, it begins a snowball effect. In the next two chapters, what we see happen there in um, 2 Kings 5, chapter 6, chapter 7, we see that Elijah, Elisha sorry, ends up carrying on that same spirit of love and kindness to enemies. And... Um, Elisha actually has an opportunity where he could have told the king to kill all the raiders of the armies of Syria. But instead he said, no, feed them and send them back home. And that act of love by Elisha actually stopped all the war between the two nations. It said from that day forward, Syria no longer invaded Israel. We see a snowballing effect here. When there is love and compassion and kindness, it actually had the ability and history tells us that it stopped a war. How incredible. You know, the power behind a servant's heart is not to be underestimated. Sometimes we read these verses like, submit to one another in the fear of the Lord. Um, and we think, well... You know, that's just a simple little thing. I don't, I don't really know what that means. But let me encourage you. The, the 
in Ephesians, it talks a lot about submission. It says to submit to one another in the fear of the Lord. Then it goes further and it talks about wives submitting to husbands, children submitting to their parents, and God's order of doing things. Do you know, though, we are most powerful when we are actually submitting to one another. It, I don't even fathom in my own mind how this works, but it does. Just like Proverbs says, a soft answer turns away wrath, right? God's ways are completely opposite. There is an incredible power. And I just want to emphasize this for a minute because our Western society have, has really sort of put women in this place where they're supposed to be able to do anything a man can do, right? But it's almost like they've said women can be like men. But God didn't create just man. He created man and woman. We actually are different and that's by design so that us doing what we are purposed to do empowers the entire family unit. Um, when we are under the submission to God, for example, that's where it all starts. There are so many times when I have felt like I want to do this and I get that little prompting inside, don't do that. And it doesn't make any sense to my head. I think, but why not? This is the way to go. This is going to be great. This is what needs to happen. But I still get that prompting, don't do that. And when I submit to God and I, I recognize his authority and that he knows more than I do, it goes well with me. Sometimes within hours I go, oh, I'm so glad, I'm just so glad um, that I didn't do that. And then I've had other times when I didn't listen and I went, oh, now I know why you said that. <laughs> but I tell you what, submission is a glorious thing. It's a powerful thing. When we come um, under someone else, I'm reminded of the, the passage in the Bible about Moses. And Moses was commanded by the Lord to stand on top of this mountain and to stretch out his arms. And when he stretched out his arms and held out his rod, um, the Israel army who was fighting beneath him in the valley, they were victorious. But when Moses' arms got tired, Israel started to be defeated. And Moses was unable to keep his hands up on his own. So Aaron and Hur came one on each side and their job was purely to hold up Moses' arms. Now, that does not sound glamorous. doesn't even sound amazing. It sounds completely boring. But all they had to do was hold up Moses' arms. But do you know what? By them doing that, it enabled a whole nation to be victorious in battle. So it's the little things, the coming under, the coming alongside. I had this beautiful revelation. What if my role was to help someone else be the best them they could ever be. What a beautiful role to have to play. What an amazing reward to receive if I come alongside someone else and I'm there to champion, champion them, to raise them up, to see them be what God has called them to be. There doesn't um, sort of become anything better than that. There isn't anything better than that in my mind because... We get to see God at work in another life by simply being understanding, caring, submitting and honouring one another. I'm going to quickly go through these last scriptures and then we're going to finish off. So bearing 
with one another in unselfish love. The key to understanding this and other statements about love is to know that this love, which in the Greek is agape, is not so much a matter of emotion as it is of doing things for the benefit of another person. That is, having an unselfish concern for another and willingness to seek the best for another. How opposite to our society. Society says, seek the best for yourself. Look after yourself. God says, seek the best for another and you will have the best life for yourself. So, so good. Look at Ephesians 4.31. Paul is exhorting us again, let all bitterness and indignation and wrath passion, rage, bad temper and resentment, anger and animosity and quarrelling, brawling, clamour, contention, slander, evil speaking, abusive or blasphemous language be banished from you with all malice, spite, ill will or baseness of any kind. I love the Amplified. It doesn't leave any question what he's saying. (laughs) There's so many descriptions. So let's put all these things away and become useful and helpful and kind to one another. Tender-hearted, compassionate, understanding, loving-hearted, forgiving one another readily and freely as God in Christ forgave you. How wonderful. I like that. Become useful. <laughs> How do we become useful? By letting our anger and resentment go. Anger and resentment only tears apart, but the love of God brings us together. And we see this displayed in mothers. We see this displayed in the heart of fathers. And we should see this displayed in the church as we love one another. You know, Jesus said the number one thing that's going to let the people out there know that the people in here are children of God is by the way we love one another. Love takes precedence over all. Let love reign. Would you stand to your feet with me today? Awesome. We never want to finish a service without giving people an opportunity to receive Jesus Christ. And what do I mean by that? I mean, you might be here... Maybe you haven't been living your life um, the way you really want to. Maybe you've got regrets. Maybe there's things that you think, wow, some of those words kind of hit home. Maybe the anger, maybe the blasphemous language, or who knows. But all of us, the Bible says, have fallen short of the glory of God. Nobody, not one person has ever met God's standard because God is perfect and He's holy and He's pure and He's righteous. So what God did for sinners who could never meet his perfection was send his only perfect son to die in your place, take the sin penalty of death and offer you forgiveness, cleansing from your sin and eternal life, life that will last forever in the presence of the one who loves us unconditionally. You know, all these things that it says, love one another, let your love be sincere, unconditional love, all these things come from our Heavenly Father. He is love in perfection. He is love, the Scripture says. He's amazing. And He wants 
you to enter into a relationship with Him that is so full of this love. Why don't you just bow your heads with me in this place? If you're here and you say, Anita, I want a relationship with this God. I want to experience His love. I want to be cleansed of my past, my sins, my failures, my mistakes. Then I just want you to raise your hand and just acknowledge, say, that's me. Count me in. I want to be a part of that. Thank you. Thank you. If you're watching online, you can raise your hand there at home. You can acknowledge in your heart, I want to be included in on this. We're going to say a simple little prayer. It's acknowledging our sin and acknowledging Jesus as our Saviour. If you want to, you can pray with me. Just say, Heavenly Father, I acknowledge I am a sinner. I have not kept your laws. I need a Saviour. Cleanse me. Wash me. Forgive me of my sins. I believe that Jesus is the Son of God. That He died for me and He rose again. I put my trust in Jesus alone. I am now your child. In Jesus' name, amen, amen. You know, the Bible says that angels get to throw a party in heaven every time one lost sheep comes home. Isn't that awesome? I can imagine heaven is rejoicing right now, absolutely rejoicing because someone's heart just got changed forever. Amazing. Let me pray God's blessing over you. Father, I thank you for your wonderful church. I thank you for your wonderful love for us. Lord, I thank you for all the moms, the dads, the parents in this room, and all that they do, the sacrifices they make every day for their children. Lord, I thank you for the endless love you have for us as your children. Lord, would you bless us this week? Would you help us to walk in kindness to one another and love? Would you help us to be tender-hearted and compassionate? Lord, where we have bitterness or anger or unforgiveness in our heart, I just ask that this week you'd help us to let it go and to enter into you and your love more fully. In Jesus' name, amen. Can we thank Anita for a great Mother's Day word today? So good. Wonderful.